Step three. Got it! Oh, how good is Steph Curry? On one, James. Oh, you LeBron drops the anvil. Marines go to the deep end. It's time for Under the Hood Basketball Pod with Jay Hood. What's up, everybody, and welcome into the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast with me, Jay Hood, brought to you by Manscaped, manscaped.com. Use the promo code HOOD, that's my last name, H-O-O-D, and save 20%. Guys, you know you need some help down there in the nether regions. I've got the Lawnmower 4.0, I've got all of these creams and shaving gels, it's a great gift for you or for someone else. So get streamlined for the spring and summer, get yourself ready, and do something different, you know, down there. The best in men's grooming, manscaped.com, use the promo code HOOD, and save 20% off your order. Well, you know how we do this on the Another Hood Basketball Podcast. We always give you three things that's uh, on my mind. Number one. Number one is the Chicago Bulls. So it's all over. The Bulls finished 40 and 42 in 10th place in the Eastern Conference. And I watched the press conference over the weekend from Arturis Karnaschovas. And he kept pointing to the 14 and 9 finish for the Chicago Bulls. The win against Toronto, and of course, the loss against the Miami Heat as the Heat actually came up and they were able to rise up to the level of play that they should have all season. And playoff Jimmy showed up in the play-in and defeated the Chicago Bulls. Let me just break down for you what the Bulls need to look at. But first, here's the one thing that we continue to hear about from the Bulls, especially from Karnaschovas, because I watched the press conference. And there he is with a sleepy press conference sitting next to Billy Donovan at the table. And they kept talking about this 14-9 record. And I'm saying, well, the reason why the Bulls were even 14-9, or the reason why the Bulls' defense improved, was because of the five-man rotation of DeRozan, Vucevic, Levine, as well as Pat Bev and Alex Caruso. Pat Beverly is responsible for the Bulls even getting into the play-in game. And so there wasn't any wholesale changes that were made by the Bulls this past offseason. The reason why is because there's nothing like a status quo Bulls team. This is why I'm really disappointed in the Bulls this season. I thought they would take another step, meaning that they'd be in the middle of the East and not at the tail end, trying to bow their way into the playoffs to eventually get beat down by the Milwaukee Bucks. So, The Bulls actually are going backwards from where they were last year. Because at least last year, it was a gentleman sweep, which I thought would happen against Milwaukee. And now, 40 and 42 and bounced out, not even in the postseason this year. But the reason why that the Bulls had a little bit of energy, had a semblance of energy, was because of Pat Beverly. Now, Pat Beverly is not the elixir to change everything for the Bulls' future. But the one thing that the Bulls lack is a true lead guard that can make a difference for this Bulls team. The Bulls outscored opponents by 69 points with that same lineup I just gave you. Pat Bev, Alex Caruso, DeRozan, Vucevic, and Levine. But the problem is, with all of those nice numbers I just gave you, you cannot win in this league when you're 24th in offensive efficiency and your last in three-point makes and attempts. For better or for worse, this league is a three-point making league. You have to have 
three guys at the minimum, but usually four or five guys, that can be able to knock down the three ball. Because this is where the game is. The game is not just the toughness on the inside. It's not just the great mid-range game from DeRozan, even though it all helps. But if you don't have multiple guys that can be able to knock down the three, if you're not a threat from three-point range, you get what you deserve, which is 10th place in the Eastern Conference. Lasted three-point makes and attempts. I think Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley are comfortable in Chicago. Because apparently there's no expectations from the front office. If I'm Michael Reinsdorf running the Chicago Bulls team, I'm doing what I can to make this team better. Better meaning that at least you're in the playoffs and you're making some kind of noise. The Bulls, no matter what this offseason, they can improve the team, but you'll never be as good as the top three, four, maybe even five teams in the Eastern Conference. Because what you have is Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan as the one-two punch. And who knows if Vucevic is returning. I would imagine that's probably a prudent thing to do. Probably should bring Vucevic back. Vucevic admittedly in his press conference says that I'm not the best defensive player, but I think I'm getting better year in and year out, which is true when it comes to his offense. He's someone that is vital from the foul line down. They can get easy baskets and has some stroke from three. But that's not enough. (laughs) And I'm not saying that the Bulls need to have a super team because that's out. There are no more super teams. But what I'm saying is is that things have to change with this Bulls team as far as trying to find, you know, outside shooting. So I looked through the free agent numbers. I know I had some questions on Facebook, facebook.com, Jonathan Hood, asking me questions about the offseason and asking how can this Bulls team improve. Well, just keep in mind that if you do bring back Zach Levine, you know what you're getting. You're going to get some thrilling moments like you had in the Toronto play-in, which he came to play. I mean, he was fantastic, and the Bulls were fantastic, especially on the defensive end against Toronto. And then Toronto's a team, they're going to be breaking it up pretty soon here. But the point is that the Bulls came to play. They could have lost that game, they did not. You get that Zach Levine against Toronto, and then you get the other Zach Levine that underachieves late in the second half against the Miami Heat. Here's some names for you. Are, is Karnaschovas looking for this? He says that they need to be able to address the outside scoring. He says this. He says, people are saying, oh, blow it up, rebuild. It's not in our minds. Okay, so if you're not going to blow it up or rebuild, then what are you going to do? Because running it back, as they did this past trade deadline, is not good enough. He says that a team that's under 500 is not good enough. Okay, so what are you going to do about it? Kobe White is on the last year of his rookie deal and can become a restricted free agent this summer. They say they absolutely want to re-sign him this season. And that's because why? It's because why? Kobe White would come in handy if he could be able to handle the basketball and make others better. As a shoot-first point guard. So why do you need that on the team? You got to have that? You got to have some scoring, sure. But wouldn't you like to upgrade that? Vucevic is going to be an unrestricted free agent this summer. Karnaschow has pointed out that he was available for all 82 games, okay? And you're still underachieved. Those things are all true, but how does the team get better? Here's some names for you. And some of these players have a player option, and I don't know if the Bulls are looking at them, but if you're trying to improve your scoring, you've got to look at Fred Van Vliet from Toronto. 
I don't expect him to be with the Raptors next season. As I mentioned, the Raptors are going to undergo some changes, according to one of my sources, in Toronto. And you can see from how the Bulls played, it just, a team that was together, and all of a sudden, the second half, they just collapsed. And the guy I talked to said he was not surprised that the Bulls won that game, based on how Toronto's been playing all season. So maybe there'll be some changes um, from that uh, that team. Fred Van Vliet is a terrific scorer and a leader for Toronto. So if he goes someplace else, the Rockford, Illinois native could be coming to another team. But is the Bulls, is that a destination for any free agent? Well, we'll see. Bogdan Bogdanovich, a shooting guard, knockdown three-point shooter, would be really good for the Chicago Bulls as a shooting guard. We've heard a lot about Max Struess, Chicago native, was with the Windy City Bulls. I called his games for the Windy City Bulls on the radio for a couple of years. And Max, when he's, you know, when he has an opportunity, he's going to continue to shoot the basketball. His numbers may not be impressive to you, but again, you talk about someone that can spread the floor. Max Struess is one of those guys. He's been with the Miami Heat now, so he's been under the microscope big time under Eric Spolstra and the Miami Heat. Max Struess is a name. D'Angelo Russell is a name. 18 points a game. Here's another name. Gary Trent Jr., three-point specialist, can be able to help this team. Josh Hart is a veteran that I've been watching for a long time, Was admired him in college. Josh Hart will be a free agent. Dylan Brooks is also a free agent. This is like the new age Draymond Green because he gets under people's skin. He's the heartbeat of that Memphis Grizzlies team, averaging 15 points a game, but also a very strong wing defender that I think that would come in handy for any team. Also a free agent. Seth Curry, S-E-T-H, Curry. The other one, also a very good scorer. Malik Beasley, kind of long on the tooth, but a, a name there. Austin Reeves of the Lakers also will be a free agent. That young man's going to get paid someplace. Probably not the Bulls at a small forward position. But you think about that Laker team, which we'll talk about in a little bit, with AD and LeBron. Well, Austin Reeves are making some big shots in game one for the Lakers for their victory. So that guy is going to get paid at some point uh, in the offseason. So it's not a lot of big names, but there's some fits there for the Chicago Bulls. All I know is this. When we hear that Michael Reinsdorf is okay with the Bulls going into the tax, going into the luxury tax to find players, we're going to find out what Carter Chauvis is all about. Because I watched that sleepy press conference, and if you're a Bulls fan, if you watch that, you got to be thinking, is Carter Chauvis with it? Is he even interested? Is he interested in, in what's going on here? Is he really willing to try to push the ball uphill and really make this team dynamic? You can't run the offense through Vucevic and think that you're going to win 50 games. That's not it. Also, Zach Levine is going to have some off nights, as you well can tell, and some good nights. DeRozan can be able to do so much. But let me just make sure it's very clear. When you look at the top players on this Bulls team, the top players on this Bulls team would be, at the very best, the second or third option on good teams. Zach Levine would not be the man anywhere on a good team. Same can be said about DeMar DeRozan. If you don't believe me, 
Look at Levine's career. Look at DeRozan's career before they became Chicago Bulls. Look at Vucevic with Orlando. You don't have a go-to guy where you could say game in and game out, this player can carry the team if everyone else is underachieving. And that's just a fact. The Bulls are a good team. But the Bulls are just going to be a good team. I just named you some some really good players, Bogdanovich and Van Vliet and D'Angelo Russell and Austin Reeves and you know Gary Trent Jr., some, some guys that can really be able to help the team. But unless you have a lead guard, so that way Levine can play off the ball, that way that DeRose can play off the ball, if you don't have... Uh, something better defensively at the guard spot, because I don't know if Pat Bev is coming back next year. And if you don't have others that be be able to knock down shots, then what's the point of all of this? What's the point of all of it? You're just fielding a team then. If you're a Bulls fan, you may not be hurting, and you probably shouldn't be, because if you've been watching this season and watching how the Bulls have played at 40 and 42, it has been up and down all season. And so... Just remember, as you watch the playoffs, think about the Bulls. If you're a Bulls fan, think about the Bulls. And then think about what Milwaukee has, especially when Giannis comes back and he's healthy. Watch, Think about the Bulls and then think about what Boston has. Boston could win the East. It's very likely with Tatum and Brown and the others on that team. Think about the Bulls and think about who is the Joel Embiid on the Chicago Bulls. Think about the Cavs and think about who is Donovan Mitchell on the Bulls. Think about who the Julius Randle is on the Knicks. Think about on the Brooklyn Nets and how you, they have a cast of characters that came over from Phoenix and yet they're in the playoffs. I want you to think about the West and think, okay, who's the Jokic on the Nuggets and all the other players that had there on the team? Same thing with Memphis and Sacramento and Phoenix and the Clippers and Golden State and the Lakers. And then think about the cast of characters that the Bulls have. Good players, but not top players. And that's the difference between being in the ninth or 10th spot in the East and being right in the middle of it in the third and fourth seed. That's the difference. That's my number one. The Bulls need to make changes. And there was Donovan, there was Donovan, you know, watching him right next to Karnaschovas. I'm looking at Billy Donovan and I'm thinking, this poor bastard wants to be anywhere beside Chicago. Because if it doesn't get better next year, then how will this team be able to get into that 50-win threshold and really be a contender in the East? Number two. My friends, let's start with the Lakers. The Lakers defeated the Memphis Grizzlies by the score of 128-112. to So the final 240 of this game for game one, the Lakers scored 15 points. The Grizzlies does not score. The Lakers win the game with under three minutes to play before exploding to a 15-0 run to end the game. That's crazy. They became the fourth team over the last 25 years to end a playoff game on a 15-0 run or better. And of course, you got to thank Austin Reeves, who we talked about moments ago. Reeves is the third Laker in the last 25 seasons to finish 5-for-5 five five or better in the fourth quarter of a game. He joins Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal in that category. <laughs> That's great. I mean, think about it. Like Kobe and Shaq were great, great players, as you well know. Austin Reeves, he's part of that as well. 
So he was really good in the fourth quarter with his touches and really made the difference for the Lakers for their victory uh, over the Memphis Grizzlies. Now, we got to think about John Morant with that right-hand injury. One thing about the Grizzlies, boy, they are just so cocky and confident. They believe they can win every game. And it's that youthful youthful exuberance that they have. They wear black hats, and they're totally good with it. Young and defiant Grizzlies, they will just put it in your face, man. And I like that because it's something different for the game. Uh, But they still are just a little bit shy. And will they win this series against the Lakers? I'm not sure. We got to keep our eyes on John Moran and that right-hand injury. He had to leave the game because of it. As a matter of fact, uh, Anthony Davis, right before halftime, injured his arm. He had to have the trainer hold his arm for him because his shoulder must have had an issue, and he got back in the game in the second half. So, you know, shout-out to the Lakers for them to get that done. Also this, Rory uh, uh, Hachimura, 29 points. He is a good player for them as well. The 29 points are are tied for fourth most in a playoff debut, only behind Shaq, George Mikan, and Pau Gasol. That's how good uh, Hachimura uh, was for the Los Angeles Lakers. You know, we talk about the Bulls and them not really making changes, making no changes at the deadline. Here are the Lakers making a couple of changes, a couple of tweaks, and now they become a viable team because they're healthy and healthy enough, and they're going to go for it in the playoffs. So, uh, again, the Memphis Grizzlies will have something to say because I like that team a lot. But for the Lakers, for a team that we laughed at a lot during the regular season, they played very, very well against Memphis. And it's not necessarily about LeBron and AD. It's about the others being able to step up. You have to have depth, especially if you're going to be in the playoffs. Quality depth on this Lakers team to be able to win game one uh, against Memphis on the road. Okay, so what's up with Giannis? Giannis Antetokounmpo from the Milwaukee Bucks. So the Heat scored a franchise postseason record, 130 points to steal Game One. The Heat win over the Bucks, 130 to 117 at Fiserv Forum. And playoff Jimmy's here. We saw a glimpse of him against the Bulls in the play-in, and now Jimmy's back. Jimmy led the way for the Heat, becoming the fifth player with at least 35 points and 10 assists in a playoff opener, and the first since. D. Rose, though, Derek Rose in 2009. So, Giannis Antetokounmpo, he only played 10 minutes because of a lower back contusion. Boy, I tell you what, this these playoffs, it's not the regular season. These playoffs get physical, and you can watch it from game to game how physical these games are. But Giannis went up, and he went back first. And boy, there was a big thud when he went down. Got a lower back contusion. He tried to come back in the game, but it looked like it might have stiffened up on him. So it was probably best for him to be out of that game. So he did not uh, return. But Jimmy Butler, he returned in a big way. I gave you those numbers on Jimmy, which is amazing. Butler scored or assisted on 63 of Miami's points. The fifth most in a playoff game in franchise history. Butler has four of the top five totals. And the Heat shot 60% from three, the best three-point field goal percentage in a playoff game in franchise history. So they were making all type of uh, moves in this game. And so we'll see what's happening with Giannis, if he's going to be available for game two. But it is so interesting when you see a superstar like Giannis off the team. Well, Middleton did a great job, but it's up to the others to step up. There's no question that the Bucks have roster depth, but when you have the Heat 
and I've been waiting for this all season for Miami. They finally are able to not only shoot a ton of threes, but actually make them. Uh, that makes them a very dangerous team. And so one of the people that are probably watching the Heat, they're probably scratching their heads saying, okay, what's up with this Heat team? How come they're not as good because they are not locked in and they really had a hard time shooting the basketball in the regular season? And so things have worked out for the Heat. Again, Heat 130, Bucks 117. Can't wait to see game two for that one. How about also on Sunday, the Los Angeles Clippers against the Phoenix Suns? For whatever reason, I was keying in on Kawhi Leonard. I know Kawhi Leonard is a top 10, top 15 player in the league, but you know, this guy has found a way to have Max Rest. That should probably should be his name, Max Rest, because we think about players sitting out because of injury or trying to avoid injury. Kawhi Leonard finds a way to chill. But when he's on the floor, especially in big moments like we saw on Sunday night, hats off to Kawhi Leonard. He scored 25 of his 38 points in the second half to lead the Clippers to a game one victory against Phoenix. So Leonard recorded his second and just the fourth instance of a 35-5-5 game in Clippers history. Paul George has the other two, but he has a 35-5-5 game. And when I watched the Clippers... People looked at the Clippers and say, you know what, they might have some some depth there and others can be able to step up. Okay, so there, there's no Paul George, as you well know, in this series. But Russell Westbrook, <laughs> so Russell Westbrook, this man here scores, let's see, he was 3 for 19, tying his worst field goal percentage in a playoff game in his career. He's also shot 3 for 19 back in uh, 2021 in a win against Philadelphia. But Here's the thing where Westbrook comes in handy, because the numbers are ugly, right? They're bowling shoe ugly. But this man goes into a suite with fans and says, you know, knock it off. He's going after fans in the, at the halftime of game because they were heckling him. The, the fans in Phoenix, they were heckling him. So he goes up into the box. He brought security with him, but he goes in there. So I don't know how the league's going to look at that. That can't work. What you doing, Russ? What you doing up here? He is just volatile. He is volatile. Not just on the floor, but off the floor, too. How did he hear those fans heckling him all the way up into a box? He, he climbs the stairs or goes around and finds that fan and starts going after him in the box. But not only did he confront the fan, but also he was going off on the uh, floor as well. So the Clippers shot 8 for 13 for 19 points off a Westbrook pass. With the Clippers up 1, 17 seconds left, Westbrook made two clutch free throws and put him ahead 3. With 10 seconds left, Westbrook blocked Devin Booker's shot and he threw it off his legs and it was amazing. Oh, by the way, as I record this, Devin Booker still complained to the officials. What happened to Phoenix? There was some discipline there. They all bitch about, about calls. It is amazing to me. So, shout out to the Clippers for being able to win that game. And I know the conventional wisdom is if you have Kevin Durant on a super team, that you'll be able to win because we saw this with Golden State, right? Okay, do you realize that Kevin Durant has now lost seven straight playoff games going back to the Nets in the 2021 season? Huh. Only Michael Jordan scored more points per game during a seven-game postseason losing streak in NBA history because I look at the numbers here. Durant has averaged 30 points a game during the seven-game losing streak in the postseason. Now, that's going to turn around with this Phoenix team, I believe. But just 
that's an amazing stack that that Kevin Durant has lost seven straight playoff games. But but I'm just surprised at this uh, this Clippers outfit. Very surprised, and they win won the ball game. And um, I just wonder if the Suns don't win now, when will they win? There's some Gonzaga vibes with the Phoenix Suns. If they don't win now, then when will this happen? It's a good team, especially in the regular season. But I still think there was an adjustment with Durant on the floor. And here's why. Don't you think Kevin Durant should have, I don't know, 20 shots, 25 shots in this offense? It's almost like that Durant's just trying to find his way through this Suns team. But this is what it is. So we'll find out what happens in the next series. The other one I can get through quickly, and that's the Nuggets. Nuggets defeated the Timberwolves 109-80. to So the Nuggets blew out the Timberwolves and and the Sunday nightcap is the third largest margin of victory in Nuggets playoff history. The Timberwolves scored just 80 points in Game 1, the fewest by any team in the regular season since the Trailblazers back uh, against the Kings on March 29th. Yeah. (laughs) It's not a surprise that that's what happened. Uh, I believe that Minnesota is going to be out of here quickly. And the Nuggets, there's a reason why that they have really been the favorite in the Western Conference for a while here because they've been one of the best teams in the West, and so they had a large margin of victory against Minnesota. And before I get to number three, let me tell you that you can always pick up your Under the Hood with John the Hood merchandise. I've got t-shirts, I've got mugs, I've got glasses. You want to find out how you can be able to get the Under the Hood with John the Hood merchandise. Hey, you can find me on Instagram at IGJHood, Instagram IGJHood, or on Twitter, Twitter.com, TweetJHood. Just click my bio and boom, you're right there. Check out the merchandise. Make sure you tell people, hey... I listened to the Under the Hood with John the Hood podcast, and I got the merchandise to prove it. T-shirts, all the merch is there. Again, go to my Instagram, IGJHood, or Twitter.com, TweetJHood, click the bio, and boom, you're right in there. Number three. So the Sacramento Kings, they defeated the Golden State Warriors in game one of the series, 126 to 123. Some are thinking that the Kings can win this series. I'm still going to favor the veterans to win the series at Golden State Warriors. This is nothing against the Sacramento Kings. I think that that story has been tremendous. I've been saying since January that Mike Brown should be coach of the year, and he is. I think that when you look at Sabonis, the veteran presence of Barnes, you think of De'Aaron Fox, Herder on this team. You've got Malik Monk, who was fantastic in game one. He scored 32 points in 29 minutes off the bench. Salute to the Sacramento Kings on how they've been able to play this year. 48-34. and this has been the laughing stock of the league for a long time. 15, 16 years out of the playoffs, haven't been relevant since the Adelman years. Man, that's crazy. But the Sacramento Kings uh, were able to win game one against a Warriors team that's had a hard time on the road this year. 11 and 30 on the road. You say, why, Jay? Why? Well, you got some veterans here that are good. Uh, and you've got some role players that still need to f- kind of figure out what they want to do. At home, Golden State's pretty strong, there's no doubt. But when I look at Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, you never worry about those two because they're going to shoot for a high percentage. Now, as Shaq always says on TNT, what about the others? What about Wiggins uh, coming off the bench? 
Great job, 17 points. What about Poole? 17 points coming off the bench. But then you worry about like DiVincenzo and Looney and Green. Green's always going to give you quality when it comes to trying to pass the basketball. He had 11 11 assists in that game in game one. So when it comes to rebounding and assists, Green will be there. Green's not there to score. He's there to facilitate and be a floor general on the team. But the whole team cannot be Thompson and Curry. Others need to step up for this Golden State Warriors team if they want to survive. It makes me wonder, if they don't get it done this year, what's the likelihood that the Warriors will be back there again? I mean, ringing the bell winning the championship. We'll keep our eyes on the Golden State Warriors for sure, but this series is interesting to me. I still think the Warriors can find a way to win. We'll see. Oh, don't look now, but the New York Knicks have won game one in their series against the Cleveland Cavaliers. They won on the road 101-97. to <laughs> You know... This Knicks team with Brunson, Jalen Brunson, with his 27 points, and Julius Randle with his his 19. So how does this get done for the Knicks? Why are they in this position? Well, it starts with defense first because it's Tom Thibodeau. We all know that. But I just think that Julius Randle has taken his game to another level. You just wonder, can he close in the fourth quarter of these games uh, in the playoffs? He's done some of that in the regular season. Can he do that in the postseason? It's a good team. It's not a great team, but they're just solid with, uh, with veterans like Josh Hart, who I mentioned earlier they'll be a free agent with Bar- with uh, Barrett Grimes they've got some good players even Obi Toppin's getting some time but I what I look at what really stood out to me is on the glass they were so aggressive on the glass they were plus six on the offensive glass for second chance opportunities they out rebounded the Cavs 51 to 38 and so you know the the Knicks go on to win game one on the other side with the Cavs uh, they're going to keep it close here this this might go this might go the distance, I'm thinking, um, because I look at Mitchell, and he's a guy that can carry a team. Now, what is Mobley and Okoro going to do? You know, What are some of the guys off the bench going to do? That, that's what I'm wondering about when it comes to the Cavs. This should be a fun series to watch, though. This might go the distance. The other two series with the Celtics and the 76ers, the Celtics are going to mop the floor with the Atlanta Hawks. Um, you know, it, it is so funny with Trey Young. Trey Young is a delight to watch in the regular season. If I need YouTube highlights or if I want a condensed game to watch with the Hawks, I just I just turn on that young man. I watch Trey Young and just see what he does. Reg- when it comes to the postseason, the Celtics are so much better. So I'm not sure how long the series is going to go, but the Celtics will win it. And same thing with the 76ers against the Nets. It is uh, a miracle that the, the Nets have found a way to, to get in the playoffs without Kyrie Irving and without Kevin Durant. The 76ers, though, are just overpowering. Just watching Harden and watching Embiid, uh, the one-two punch, there might be a ceiling on their success. But Embiid, though, Far and away, as I mentioned in the last podcast, to me, the MVP of the league, I saw him with a sweet fadeaway jumper in this game. You'd think MB would just be camped out in the post, but he has the ability to give you mid-range and three-point prowess. So the 76ers and Celtics should be able to win those series going away. And lastly, I saw this from Woj and from Bobby Marks from ESPN. ESPN is reporting the 2023-2024 NBA in-season tournament schedule is expected to include quarters, semis, and finals in early December. Prize money is $500,000 per player on a winning team, $200,000 per player on a runner-up, $100,000 per on a semifinal loser, and $50,000 per quarter loser. Why is there an in-season tournament? 
Why is this happening? I don't, I don't understand why this has to be a thing. I'm fine with the regular season as is. I don't need any more stakes than how you're playing the regular season and then the play-in is fine. I roll my eyes at it because the play-in is just like the first four in the NCAA tournament. You can watch it. You don't watch it either way. But I'm in my glory right now as a basketball fan checking out the NBA playoffs. So why can't we just be good with what is going on with the NBA playoffs? Now, I understand for rotational players, this money will come in handy for those that you know are still making a good living, but doesn't that in the in the big money yet? So I get understand that, but there's no need for an extra tournament in the regular season. Is that bringing more eyeballs to the table whatsoever? It doesn't because ultimately, whoever wins the tournament, it doesn't make any difference to me. What matters is who's in the playoffs, and who's going to win the championship. Thank you, Jay Moore, for producing and directing this show, as always, the Under the Hood podcast here. And don't forget, we'll be back again. More basketball information for you. If you're looking for basketball info, check me out on Cap and Jay Hood weekday mornings at 7 on ESPN 1000. Of course, this podcast, Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Thanks so much for listening. So long, everybody.